Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, happy Friday to you. Uh, glad to have you along here on The Inner Life today. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And not just any ordinary Friday, right? Friday the 13th. I hope that's not any big deal for you. Shouldn't be. We have our hope and our trust in the Lord, right? Uh, shouldn't be worried about superstitions out there. But I always kind of smile to myself whenever we hit a Friday the 13th. But for me, it's just another Friday. It's a day where oh, it's nice to be, you know, coming to the close of the work week, have the little bit of relaxation over the weekend. Uh, so today, as we begin our program, let me ask, do you like to play the occasional prank on your family? Do you maybe tease your brother or your sister? And I don't mean in some sort of cruel or spiteful way. I, I just mean, because they're family, do you like to hit them every once in a while with a practical joke or do something that might startle them, catch them off guard, something that, you know, they might be annoyed in the moment slightly, but you know you're both going to laugh about it later. Well, when I was 11 years old, my family, we ended up renting this condo out on the Oregon coast during the summer, and it it was beautiful. It had this beach view, and I was able to walk down to the beach and swim in the ocean anytime I wanted while we were staying there. We, we, we were there for only, I think, three or four days. It wasn't a long vacation, but it was it was very enjoyable, very memorable. This was just outside of Lincoln City, for those of you who know the Oregon coast. And we did a number of the tourist kinds of things over those days when we were staying there on the coast. And one of the things that I remember best was we were driving down the coast highway. It's Highway 101. And we were traveling south to the town of Newport, not very far south of Lincoln City. And in Newport, they have a number of different attractions. I mean, all those coastal towns, they have a lot of different things that you can go and see and do, different shops, different fun activities, especially during the summer months. Um, They're in Newport, the different attractions on the waterfront. You can eat clam chowder at a famous little restaurant called Moe's. Um, they, they have a few different locations there in Oregon, but Moe's in Newport, that's the one we always went to. You can window shop at the little stores that are along the bay that comes into Newport there. And they have these fun sites for families that are right there along the road on Mariner Square in Newport. And one building is called the Undersea Gardens. And it's where you can go down the, inside this room Uh, It's a lower-level room with glass walls, and it lets you see the fish and the other sea life that are out there in the ocean. Another building across the street from that is the Living Waxworks Museum. It's this fun little place where you can walk through and you can see these animatronic figures. Many of them are famous or historical people. And so it's a good way to kill, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, kind of walking through, seeing that. And then another... Uh, attraction there 
is it's attached to the other side of that waxworks building, and it's called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Now, you might remember that old television program. And this is a sort of interactive museum that they have. It has all kinds of weird and fun exhibits and displays. And Ripley's Believe It or Not, you know, is based on the life of Robert Ripley, where he'd go out and see all of these different fascinating things from different cultures, different societies uh, around the world. And he'd report back on them and tell you all of these different things that he had found um, in remote locations, things that especially for uh, people in uh, first class uh, or or first world um, Western society, we might not know what is being, you know, done out there in other realms of our globe. And so this Ripley's Believe It or Not, it really is a place that's best when you're a kid or if you're walking through with kids of your own. So when I was 11 and we went through Ripley's, it, it was great. I had a great time. I was the perfect age for it. And I've been there a couple other times as a young adult, but it's probably been over 20 years since the last time I was there. And I hope they still have one of the last rooms there in that Ripley's museum because it was so fascinating to me when I was 11. And this room, it was dark, extremely dark, and like walking into the night. But the night is contained in this room. And, you know, just like walking into the night along with the room being so dark, it had these tiny little pin lights that look like stars that just stretch on and on and on into the infinite darkness, but somehow in this room. And when I was 11 and our family, we were going through Ripley's, there were enough displays and exhibits that, you know, again, you're entertained for a good while. You're there for an hour or two, but as a typical child, I'm running ahead. I'm looking to the next one or two things around the corner. And then I'm coming back and I'm saying to my mom or my sister or, you know, whoever else, hey, come on, you got to see what I just discovered. You got to look at this one. This one's fun. And so when I came up to that room that looked like that night sky or that night expanse, I looked in through the doorway and I wasn't sure how to proceed. I was standing there just by myself, my family. There's still back a few exhibits. There, there's a couple of turns, a couple of corners that they have to come around in the building before they're going to be where I am. And so I'm looking into this night sky kind of room, and I don't know what else to call it other than a night sky room. I could see that there's a door that exited the room, but it's across all of this black expanse. And where there should have been a wall, I only saw those little star lights and the blackness, the blackness and stars just extending for what seemed forever. And where there should have been a ceiling, same thing. Darkness and stars and where there should have been a floor. And at 11 years old, it was the most amazing thing to see what appeared to be the empty, infinite expanse of space within some room. But the only defining features that made it seem like a room, it was the doorway where I'm standing, looking in, and the other doorway that's across that darkness. And so... I stood there hesitating, not sure how to get across that to the other side, to that other door. I was pretty sure if I walked out there, I'm going to find myself falling through space. So finally, I grabbed onto the edge of the outer wall of the door where I was standing, and I'm holding on with both hands so that I'm not going to fall into this area, this space here. And I put my foot out. And I let the toe of my shoe just start to feel around. And my foot came into contact with solid ground there. And so then I placed my foot down first cautiously, 
But then a moment later, I placed it more firmly on the dark floor. And it was, it was almost impossible to see it, but I took another step in and then another. And I started looking around the room once I was inside, walking and examining the perimeter. And that room was made entirely of glass. But because it was so dark... And because the lights were so dim, you could still see those little pin lights, but they were so dim. There wasn't any reflection that was given on the the glass there in the room. And so it made this wonderful optical illusion where I'm standing there for a few seconds just taking it all in. You know, understanding, okay, it's glass all around me and how this room worked, but it still just looked so fantastic. So then... I, I, after I take those couple of moments there enjoying that by myself, I run back and find my older sister, Crystal. So I go back around a few corners, a few turns there in the building to where she's still looking at another display, and I grab her by the arm and I say, oh, you got to see this, and I start pulling her along very quickly. And as we approach the door to that night sky room, then I start moving her in front of me, and without any warning, I just shove her out, out into the room before she could think, before she could react and as soon as I pushed her into the blackness of that room, I'm sure Crystal, she was thinking <laughs> that her brother had just pushed her over a cliff or out, you know, where she's just going to fall and fall. And she starts screaming right as I'm shoving her. And I started laughing. But even if she was mad at me for pulling a trick like that, her anger ended up uh, just fading. It abated so quickly because then all of a sudden she's standing there in awe, the same sort of awe that I felt in this room that made you feel like you were standing in the middle of the night sky or the middle of space. I tell that story because coming up this Sunday, we're going to celebrate the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And somewhat like that experience that I had so many years ago back at Ripley's there on the Oregon coast, I like to imagine that Mary, when she first was taken body and soul into the glories of heaven, Uh, Unlike me playing a trick on my sister, she brought there by her loving son, Jesus. She she must have been in absolute awe at the beauty and the wonder before her. And uh, that's something that I hope we can talk about during this hour here on The Inner Life. But also, you know, there can be misunderstandings, misconceptions about what the Catholic Church teaches about Mary. And so today, looking ahead to Sunday, looking ahead to the, the solemnity of the Assumption, It's a great opportunity for us to talk about what we actually believe about Mary. And we also want to take this hour to talk about Mary not only being the mother of Jesus, but also being the mother of the church, our mother. And we want to talk about her role in heaven, how she intercedes for us, how she prays for us. And today, helping us look at Mary and her role in each of our lives, in the life of the church, and this wonderful celebration of Mary being assumed into heaven, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Matthew Witter. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's the parochial vicar at St. John Newman's, St. William's, St. Joseph's, and St. Mary's in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, Father Matthew, I'm so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. Um, you ever play any pranks on your siblings uh, that, that <laughs> made them scream or think yeah, that disaster yeah. was looming ahead? Yeah, I'm, yeah, they'd probably hold some of those against me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that 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 one that that you had there, that that is a good one, um, and it's such a beautiful reflection to get us started of of the Blessed Mother Mary looking into heaven and just that sense of wow, and to see Jesus again and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and 
it's a beautiful, beautiful image of, of, of that to, to, to set the groundwork. Well, and so as we do look at the Assumption of Mary, uh, this, is, this is what the Catholic Church calls a dogma. Uh, can you kind of walk us through what the dogma is when we talk about the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into Heaven? Yep, there are four. There are four Marian dogmas that are that are firmly enshrined within within the Church's dogmas, and a, a dogma, and that's why we celebrate a solemnity because it's it it's the, one of the core elements of our faith. And and they're Marian dogmas, but they connect so intimately to the person of Christ. And so the Marian dogmas are are her perpetual virginity, her role as Mother of God, her immaculate conception, and then her assumption into heaven. And so. The Assumption into Heaven was was very recently defined in, in, in 1950 and simply states as the, the Immaculate Virgin preserved free from all stain of original sin, that's the Immaculate Conception, when the course of her earthly life was finished, was taken up body and soul into heavenly glory. And so we know for all of us, when, when we die, our soul leaves our body, but our body stays here. For Mary, what the unique thing about this, the Assumption is that her soul doesn't just go up, but her body also goes up. And so it's a prefiguration of it, and she's already sharing in Christ's resurrection as Christ rose from the dead. His body and soul is in heaven. Uh, so Mary, uh, her body also shares in, in Christ's victory uh, already, and it's kind of that hope then that one day we will share when Christ comes again in, in Christ's uh, uh, resurrection of the body. Now, you also you know mentioned that this is, and, and I use that word as well, a solemnity, um, you know, First of all, it might be good to talk about the difference between a solemnity and some of the other days that we recognize in the church. But also, why does the church make such a big celebration of Mary's assumption into heaven? It seems like it might be the biggest kind of celebration outside of maybe, you know, uh, at least related to Mary. Um, you know, Christmas. Yes, Mary's there, but it's more about the birth of Christ. Easter, of course, the high celebration there that we have of the resurrection of Christ. Uh, we also have the Immaculate Conception that we celebrate in December. But the feast, uh, the solemnity of the Assumption seems to be something that really kind of stands above anything else that we recognize and we celebrate with the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, but again, it's a solemnity. Normally we have these memorials or these feasts where we recognize different days in the liturgical calendar. What makes a solemnity so important? How does the church come about defining and saying, well, this, this falls in that category of a solemnity? Great question, because like you just alluded to, there's on the liturgical ranks, there's solemnity the highest, then comes feast, then comes memorials, optional memorials. If you went to the uh, a daily Mass today, the priest may or may not have celebrated a, a memorial for St. Pontian or St. Hippolytus, and those were optional memorials, so the priest can choose to celebrate them, choose not to celebrate them. A memorial will be like tomorrow, if you go to the daily Mass for tomorrow, St. Maximilian Kolbe, uh, every priest will celebrate the memorial for Maximilian Kolbe. A feast is a, is a higher rank in that it's usually the Apostles, St. Mary Magdalene, if you go to Mass on the feast day, you know it's a feast because there's there's the glory that's added. Solemnity is what the assumption the assumption of Mary is. It's it's the highest rank because it's it's one of the we'd say that the 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 message of the assumption is so closely related to salvation history and and the working of Christ in salvation history that it's it's listed at the very highest rank that it, it touches on one of the core elements 
of, of salvation history. And so we'd say, well, what is that core element then with the assumption? First of all, the resurrection of the body and Mary giving witness to the resurrection of the body ahead of time with her body, not just her soul going up to our Lord, but, but her body going up as well. But we can kind of, even in the, in the readings that, that, are, that we'll, we'll hear on, on Saturday night for the vigil or Sunday, really give us a, a sense of just the importance and we hear in the, the book of Revelation that you know, heaven was opened up and the Ark of the Covenant was there. And who's the Ark of the Covenant? Mary. <laughs> and it goes back to our dear Blessed Mother Mary, and it, it links all the way back. And we talk about how does Jesus work into Mary's assumption. And, and in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, right off the bat, the, the first proclamation of the Gospel, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You know, so that's the Lord speaking to the, to the serpent, and he will strike at your head, or she will strike at your head, will you strike at his heel? And so that's that, that ultimate, that battle. And so in the book of Revelation that we'll encounter this weekend, we, you know, we hear, we see the, the serpent, once again, the devil tempting, and we see a woman, and that woman is not Eve, but it's the new Eve, our dear Blessed Mother Mary, and she gives birth to that, mare, that male child. And so we talk about enmity, you know, and when it says in the book of Genesis, I'll put enmity, that means complete separation, between the devil, the serpent, uh, and Our Lady. And uh, for Our Lady to truly have complete separation, she would not be sharing in part of the punishment, which is your dust until dust you shall return. You know, Mary shares in, in Christ's victory already. There's complete enmity. And so she, uh, she's, she shares in Christ's victory that goes all the way back uh, to the book of Genesis. Okay, that's, uh, <laughs> I was kind of on a, on a bit of a homily there, so I'll stop. No, that's all right. Keep preaching, Father. <laughs> so, um, but, but let's also talk here, as we're going through, you, you make reference there, and there's a lot that in that first reading that we'll hear on Sunday yep. um, from the book of Revelation, you know, you mentioned that there's that complete separation between uh, Mary and between Satan. And we we see there the dragon that is there. This uh, It's described as this huge red dragon, seven heads, ten horns. I mean, there's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of things that might be kind of difficult to understand. We see that it swipes away a third of the stars in the sky, hurls them down to earth. I mean, a lot of times this is kind of considered that Satan has his fallen angels, a third of the angels that have followed him. Um, but there's a lot of imagery here that might be difficult for us to kind of understand when we hear this on Sunday. How can we prepare ourselves for Mass, looking at this, and not get so kind of boggled mind-wise with all of these different images that we're hearing, but be able to take away something substantial from that reading of Revelation? Great, 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 great question. And I think part of it is just that, that sense of, you know, we're in the last book of the Bible, and so, you know, many times when there's a, and the, the Bible is many books put together, but, you know, we see salvation history kind of coming to a conclusion in, in some sense within within this last book of Revelation, but we know how it begins with the woman, the man, and the serpent. And then here we encounter again, close to the end of the Bible, at least the revelation of the Bible, you know, a woman, the seed, the man that's born, and a serpent. And here we see then that official kind of part of that, that crushing of the head, and we see it prophesied at the, at the end of the, the reading. It's a loud voice cries out, now of salvation and power have come, you know, the kingdom of God and the authority of his, own, of his anointed one. And so we see the, the triumph of Jesus Christ. We see the triumph of the new Eve, 
uh, our dear Blessed Mother Mary. And so to recognize that Mary's assumption is, is a triumph. You know, Mary is victorious through Christ. And, and that's, that's part of it. The assumption is, is Mary's victory, but it's meant to be all of our victories um, one day. We'll, we'll, we'll get that sense in, in the, the second reading from, from 1 Corinthians. And what it says, you know, speaking of Christ, um, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so we, we, we in Mary's, Mary's victory through Christ, uh, we also get a sense of, of, of our victory as well. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. We're looking ahead to this upcoming Sunday, the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, wanting to understand what that is, first of all, but also how can we grow in our devotion to Mary? How can Mary impact our lives and draw us closer to her Son? How has Mary interceded for you? When has Mary brought your needs or your concerns before her son, asking for that miracle that you need in your life? How has Mary led you closer to her son? Our studio line, you can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, coming up, we're also going to talk about, you know, we have this word assumption, and that's Mary going into heaven. We use the word ascension for Jesus when he goes into heaven. We'll also talk about the difference there. What, what is that difference between those two? Stay with us. We'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for this hour, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And today, looking ahead to the upcoming Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, coming up this Sunday, and when has Mary interceded for you? When has Mary uh, helped to answer those prayers, bring those prayers that you have before her Son? Uh, how has she led you closer to her son? How has she helped you in your growth, your spiritual journey, uh, so that you can be more united to Christ? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, relevantradio.com. And uh, Father Matthew, as we continue looking at the assumption of Mary into heaven, body and soul, um, there's the two different people that we see. We see Jesus who ascends to heaven, but we use a different term, Mary, assumed into heaven. Both of them go to heaven, but there's a reason why we use that different terminology when describing Jesus ascending to heaven and Mary being assumed into heaven. Can you help us kind of understand the difference there? Yep, it's a great question, and, and the, the, the name kind of has the meaning right within it. So ascension, 
be, you know, to ascend into heaven, you can be taken up through your own authority, through your own power, you know, God the Father, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you know, they can ascend because they, they are God. Um, being assumed recognizes, like, something outside of you drawing you up. So on her own, Mary can't rise up to heaven, but it's through Christ, it's through God the Father, it's through the Holy Spirit that she can be, that she is assumed, taken up into heaven. Christ ascends on his own, as being assumed means to kind of be pulled in through an, through an outside force. And so Mary is, 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 ascend, is, is assumed into heaven through, through the merits of her son, Jesus. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, it, what's interesting is there's two different cities in the world that you know, say that they have the, the Church of the Dormition, Ephesus and Jerusalem. Was that one of the churches in Jerusalem that commemorates Mary's assumption into heaven? And, and they have a beautiful piece of uh, artwork on the wall, a beautiful mosaic of Mary being assumed into heaven. They have the angels around her, but they actually have Jesus actually like carrying Mary into heaven. And it's it's one of those pictures you kind of do a double take at first because we're always used to seeing you know Mary holding baby Jesus in in, in church at Dor- Dormition in Jerusalem. It's it's Jesus holding Mary, mm-hmm. kind of bringing her into heaven, you know, just kind of stating that Mary doesn't go on her own, that it's the merits of Christ that, that, that take her. Yeah, well, and, you know, I think that's always important anytime that we talk about Mary, especially for somebody who maybe is not familiar with exactly what the Catholic Church teaches in regards to Mary. We hold her in such high esteem, such high regard within the Church. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's outside uh, people who might say, oh, Catholics worship Mary, or Catholics look at Mary and consider her essentially another deity. But that, that there's nothing <laughs> that is accurate about that at all. Uh, Mary is created, uh, just like each one of us are created. It's just that um, she has been created in a special way to where she's been preserved from that stain of original sin. She was saved just in a, a different way so that she could be that special, that holy vessel to carry Jesus Christ, to bring him into the world as not only fully God then, but also incarnate, fully man. Um, it's, it's always important to say, yes, of course we hold Mary in high regard, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that yeah, she's a creature as well. She is not God. Exactly, exactly. Mary is not God. We can't say that enough because Catholics can get uh, pinned as, as uh, promoting that. At, at the same time, she is, she is our dear Blessed Mother, and we have to, it's a simple saying, we can't, love, we can't love Mary more than Jesus loved her. So don't feel bad about loving Mary, because yeah. if you love Mary, believe me, you can't love Mary more than Jesus loves her. At any time that we feel a sincere love of Mary, also recognize that it's probably, you know, Jesus through the Holy Spirit loving his mother in, in, in you. And so it's a beautiful way of, of sharing in the love of, of Jesus and Mary. Whenever we have a, that tender love of Mary, you know, dwell up in our heart, it's, it's, it's usually Jesus loving his mother in us and giving us a taste of that. And, and those are beautiful moments, not moments to feel bad about. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that has, has given us those those glimpses into the love of, of Jesus and, and Mary. 
Well, and you know, I, I've shared this story on the air before, but uh, it, it really just helped put in perspective for me as I was learning about the church, as I was starting to um, make my entry into the church. I went into an adoration chapel with the man, uh, a friend of mine, who would eventually be my sponsor into the church. And he, when he brought me there, very first time walking into any sort of adoration chapel, and he's very quietly kind of explaining what I'm seeing there, the monstrance and, you know, the Eucharist. And, and I looked back and there's a statue of Mary and she's in the back corner. And I said, well, you know, if this is so focused around Jesus, why is Mary there? And he said, well, look at how her arms are positioned. They're kind of open with her palms out and wanting to usher you toward her son. And he said, you know, if you ever come across anything where uh, there's somebody who says, oh, Mary gave me a message and it's all about Mary and it's not directing us toward her son, he said, you know, beware of that. There might be something not quite right with that because anytime that Mary shows up and it's a genuine and authentic time where Mary, uh, you know, there's an apparition or, you know, something that somebody has had, she's always pointing us toward her son, just like the wedding feast at Cana. You know, it's not, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to take care of your wine problem. It's here, let me introduce you to my son. Do whatever he tells you. Exactly, exactly. Mary is always, she, she wants us to know Jesus, wants our hearts to be converted. And and you asked a little bit earlier in the show about, you know, how you know, when we see this reading from the book of Revelation, how does that help us, you know, recognize and, and enter into the Mass readings? And, and maybe a, a good point to mention is, is the book of Revelation starts out, you know, the Ark of you know, Heaven was open, and we saw the, the Ark of the Covenant, and, and the Scriptures then present Mary as the new Ark of the Covenant. And there's a lot of theology behind that, that Probably this is the best forum to go into, but that sense of Mary being the new Ark of the Covenant, and we think of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. And actually, at daily Mass yesterday, we we saw the Ark of the Covenant. You know, as the Israelites traveled across the Jordan, you know, the the priest stood with the Ark of the Covenant in the water, and the you know the the, the water you know stood up. We see the Ark of the Covenant then carried into Jericho as as the people begin to go into the Promised Land. The Ark was carried around. Uh, carried around the walls in different battles, Israelites bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle, and it's the sense of that. That's kind of Mary as this this Ark of the Covenant. What does she do? She kind of she kind of comes into battle as the new Ark, and wherever the Ark of the Covenant is, the presence of God is also there. And so Mary, we kind of carry Mary into battle. We we let her kind of go before us. Why? Because the presence of God always follows the Ark of the Covenant, and and, and so that's part of how Mary then. And intercedes for us as 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 queen mother. That sense of she's she's the ark of the covenant, and and where the ark of the covenant is, God's presence follows. And so that's you know the theology of of Mary, where Mary is, Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit is there, God the Father, you know, they're they're the, the Trinity. Mary is the she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit, the mother of the Son, the daughter of the Father. And so we see the Trinity in in the person of Mary. Let's talk about, you know, you're talking about that role wherever the Ark of the Covenant is, then we have the presence of God there too. And you've made reference to some other titles, you know, Mary is mother of the church. Let's talk about Mary's role. If she is in heaven, body and soul, if she's been assumed, what is she doing now? What What is her role and what should we understand about her role in heaven? So Mary in heaven First of all, she's in the, the beatific vision. She's she's close to our Lord, and and 
we think back and just the, the scriptural connections are, are so important. We know Christ is is our king, and the, the king, if we look at the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, like especially if you go through First Kings, Second Kings, you know, when they mention each of the kings that, that step up to the plate, what are the first things that they'll mention? You know, usually they're all bad kings. They'll say, you know, they were evil. They followed the path of their forefathers. But they'll always will take a moment to mention who the mother of the king was, because you know, especially in the, the Old Testament days, the, the king probably had many wives, and, uh, but only one mother. And so it was the mother that was the, was the queen. And so then the queen, and we, we kind of connect, connect the dots here, so Mary would be the queen because she's the mother of the king. And even, we even see a great image of the, the role of queen mother in, in, in First Kings chapter 2, where we actually hear that the, 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 the queen is thrown out of the king. And actually, when the, the queen comes into the room, the, the king stands. Usually, we see, like for example, in the book of Esther, when Esther is going to go before the king, you know, she's afraid that she could get struck dead without going into without you know entering the presence without permission but with the queen mother it's different the king respects the, it's not the same level but the, the king has to respect the queen mother so mary is pleading for us she's she's interceding for us she's she's fighting for us uh, she's in this battle and we um, more than more than we know well and with mary in that role as the queen mother the other thing that i always remember is king solomon when he takes the throne, he, he's the first one, I believe, who actually sets his mother, Bathsheba, up to be that queen mother. And we even see where if somebody wants an audience, like you're saying, they actually go to Bathsheba and they say, hey, I've got this favor, I've got this request, could you bring it before the king? And uh, really becomes that, that image of that intercessor there in the Old Testament that we see and is completely fulfilled then in that role of Mary. It's, it's fulfilled in Mary, and, and it's fulfilled in, in some of Jesus' literally like last words on the cross as he looks down to, uh, to the beloved disciple, Rep. John, and representing all of us, you know, behold, behold your mother, behold your mm-hmm. mother, and that, that sense of Mary's heart was being prepared as well to be that that spiritual mother, because even throughout, you know, sometimes Mary, Protestants and people that don't know Mary quite the theology well will look at Mary and, and when they say, you know, who is my mother? Who is my brother? You know, anyone who does the will of my God, of, of, of my Lord, is my my my, brother, my mother, my brother, my sister, and, and who does the will of God par excellence, our dear Blessed Mother Mary. And so even in those moments, John Paul II mentioned that though that's even Jesus kind of forming Mary's heart even look at motherhood as not just being his mother, but to be prepared for that moment on the cross when he looks to John and Mary and, you know, behold your mother. And so even in the midst of Jesus' earthly life and some of his public ministry, he's, he's not putting down Mary, but he's, he's preparing her for this, this role as mother of the church. And as she stood at the foot of the cross um, and the blood and water coming out, the, the, the wellspring of the church and the Holy Spirit, Mary is there, um, mother of the church, someone that she's not just Jesus' mother, but she's all of the all of our mother mm. yeah that's beautiful i love the that even jesus right there from the cross what you said you know of john paul ii that 
Jesus is forming Mary's heart, preparing yep. her to be that. that. That's so beautiful. Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Witter, our studio line, 888-914-9149. We're talking about the role of Mary as mother of the church, as uh, queen of heaven, looking ahead to this upcoming Sunday, the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Father, let's go to Joseph, who's listening in Sacramento. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to The Inner Life today. You're on the air with Father Matthew. Good morning, Joseph, sure. and good morning, Father. And uh, thank you for taking my call. And uh, I just have a question. Um, I myself have been, had a habit all all my life, and uh, I've always wondered, does Mary, does Mama Mary, still hear us in prayer, even if we're in the state of mortal or venial sin? It's a question I have, Father. Well, it's grace that goes before us and grace when we're praying in mortal sin it's it's a challenge because we need to pray to to, to convert our hearts you know so sometimes i run into people that have said okay my prayers aren't efficacious if i'm praying in mortal sin i better not pray well that's just going to make us that's going to plummet us down even further mary is pleading before our lord for our conversion and we should never stop praying it's harder on just a like a spiritual physics level of prayer when we pray in mortal sin. Our prayers aren't as efficacious, and it's harder to pray. <laughs> but that being said, our dear Blessed Mother Mary, she her eyes are always turned toward us. And even in those moments, she is praying that our hearts would, would turn back to the Lord, would go to confession, would seek conversion. So she, there is no, there is no prayer, uh, there's no prayer that's, that Mary is not going to listen to. She, that, that sense of conversion, and if we're praying to Mary and praying for conversion, she, she wishes to hear us. Mm. Is there a, a particular situation that uh, maybe you've been praying about or wrestling with that, um, that, that works into that? Um, Joseph, are you still there? Uh, I, yes, 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 I am, Father. Um, Thank you, Father, for that reassurance. I, I've been diagnosed actually uh, with a mental disorder, and uh, okay. I guess for some a little bit of consolation, I, I do have that, but uh, I still struggle with it. And I, like what you said a while ago, Father, when times when I do fall, it makes me not want to pray anymore because I get so yeah. discouraged and I feel like. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Mama Mary's not listening to me, or maybe she doesn't want to hear me anymore. Yep, there's, and that's a, that's a common temptation when we fall, we fall into mortal sin right away to to think I'm going to stop praying because God isn't listening, and and it's harder to pray in those in those moments when we're in the state of mortal sin. But Mary is always always drawing us back, and and there's nothing that the devil wants to do more than when we sin to just to seek to bury us. Um, even within our sin, St. Teresa of Lisieux has some beautiful writing on this. She'll say that in the midst of our sin, when we know we've sinned, one of the things we should do, we should thank God that it was not worse, um, because uh, it always can be worse many times, and the devil wants to pile on and, and just completely pummel us into the ground and, and and exactly, even make us think that we can't can't utter a prayer. Yep, we want to want to make it back to confession. We want to repent, but uh, to stop to stop uh, to cut ourselves off from from Mary and, and reaching out in prayer is that 
you know, the, the, the prodigal son, we never should be afraid to, to turn back to our Lord. Well, and Father, as you know, you're responding here to Joseph, there's also the fact that when we listen to that voice of Satan, you know, when we get discouraged and he's trying to tell us, nope, you're not worth anything or you've messed up again and, you know, look at how disappointed God is going to be with you. Any of those thoughts, any of those uh, that coming across, that's not going to be from God. Because if we are saying our sin is greater than Christ's sacrifice, death, atoning blood that was shed for us, then we're the ones who are putting up the resistance. It's never God that is going to say, nope, your sin's too great, can't forgive it. So, Joseph, thanks so much for calling in. I hope that is helpful for you. And, uh, uh, Father, want to throw out the phone number one more time, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com, talking about the role of our Blessed Mother Mary, looking ahead to this Sunday, the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. How has Mary interceded for you in your life? When has she brought your needs, your concerns before her son, and how has she led you closer to her son? Again, 888-914-9149. More to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, looking ahead to this Sunday, the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, talking about Mary's role in our lives, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, in just a moment, let's go back to the phones. But first of all, looking ahead to this Sunday, it is the Solemnity, but we're, you know, for those of us who are going to regular Mass every Sunday, that's kind of the routine already. What else would you suggest maybe we do to make this Sunday for the Solemnity a little special, maybe a bit more of a celebration? Yeah, and that's a, we do what every Sunday should be a celebration. Every Sunday should be a day of, of rest as much as possible and, and, and worship and that, that sense of restoration and particularly to have that you know, an extra lens out for the the, the role of, of Mary and, and Jesus. And I would suggest even, you know, if maybe you're not in the, the habit of praying the rosary, to say, let's pray the, the fourth glorious mystery, which is the, the assumption. That's a nice, uh, you know, way of getting, if you're in a family with your spouse, to say, let's let's pray this this mystery in, in honor of the assumption. And, and also I would say to, to think about, there's always within the rosary, fruits of the different mysteries. And you really alluded to the fruit of the mystery in, in a way, when you set the tone for the the show with you know Mary looking into into heaven upon our Lord as she she kind of breaks into the, the heavenly realm and that sense of the the fruit of the mystery of the rosary of the fourth glorious mystery the assumption is is the fruit of a, is the, of, of a happy death and so to pray for uh, pray for the souls uh, 
you know, family members who have died is you maybe meditate on the assumption and and uh, and look ahead with with that sense of of hope to just meditating on you know seeing our lady seeing our lord in heaven uh, that really kind of hits on a part of the core of of this mystery as well okay and then let's also you know say that if i'm listening right now father i'm driving in my car or i'm at my desk and i'm listening and I'm a Catholic, I go to Mass every Sunday, I go to confession when I need to, might even have kids in Catholic school, or maybe they're out, but they went to Catholic school when they were younger. But I don't really see much need of any sort of devotion in my life to Mary. What would you say to that person? Um, why is it important to have that relationship, that devotion to Mary? Why, you know, somebody might say, isn't it just enough that I'm going to Mass, and I have that relationship with Christ. I'm receiving the sacraments. Why do I need to add Mary into the mix? Yep, because Jesus added her into the mix before he died. <laughs> you, know, you know, God the Father. It's as simple as Jesus that. going to huh? come into the world anyway, and God the Father chose Mary. So, you know, it'd be good if we do, too. And Jesus on the cross, from his last words on his heart, you know, behold your mother. So I think that's, you know, just from the, the Scripture side, the, the first thing we want to follow our Lord's pattern, the Lord chose Mary. He didn't have to, but he did, so we should too. But from an anecdotal evidence, you know, even as a spiritual director and, and uh, meeting with different people, you know, there's different stages of, of our spiritual growth. You can't encounter you know, everything at once. There's kind of a, a, an unfolding. And, and my experience as a spiritual director, whenever someone goes deeper in their relationship with Mary, there's always fruit of a deeper connection to Christ. It, mm-hmm. It's one of its. It's usually a turning point. And I know some people might not be there yet. You know, and, and there is, we have that unique journey, and, and God at the right time, if we're following the Spirit, you know, will unfold certain things at certain times. But I can say, you know, without a doubt, whatever someone, you know, says, I'm going to take my relationship with Mary more seriously, following the pattern of our Lord. So it's not something we're making up. It's it's what God the Father did. It's, it's you know, it's Jesus and the cross. You know. Uh, but but that sense of whatever someone chooses to you know make a Marian consecration would be you know one way of of formalizing that relationship with with Mary. There's always graces that that uh, you know that that God was was waiting to bestow that are that are bestowed. So uh, if you're not quite there yet, yep, you know wait for the spirit pro- spirit's prompting. But I could say without a doubt when someone's sincerely seeks a, a deeper love of Mary. And it's not, it's, it's usually the Holy Spirit that is, is inviting the person to, to, to take more, more deeply to the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that's, you know, the sanctifier in our spiritual life. So we don't choose Mary on our own. It's, it's you know, the Holy Spirit that, that leads us to her. And, and Mary then, you know, leads us closer to Christ. So Yeah. I, I, that, that's that's wonderful. I, I think that's uh, so great that if you if you have somebody who is closer to Mary, they want to grow closer to Mary. Uh, just by default, there's no way that they can grow closer to Christ. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Tom is listening in Plainfield, Illinois. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the Inner Life today. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Josh. I just have a really quick story about Mary. My father passed away, and my mother and I were in uh, the chapel, um, Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, and uh, my mom was sobbing, just like a widow would do. And I was sitting like a little bit behind her and on the side just to give her some room to pray. And I just looked at the Mary statue of Mary. I said, Mary, please be a mother to my mother. And all of a sudden, a beam of light from the back of the church, as wide as she was, came right through the whole church and rested on her and stopped. And uh, I talked to her about it afterwards. She just said she felt 
such a calm. And I told her that I prayed to Mary for her. And she said she felt such a calm and such a warmth, like a hug, that it, it just it just made her stop crying instantly. It was a, it was pretty beautiful. And, and you could see that kind of unfold. It sounds like like you said you you could being a little bit behind her. You could you could see that light come in. That that had to be a a goosebump type of moment where you know to, to, to take that in. Have you always had a, a deep love of 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 our of our lady? Oh yes, yes, and my mother is the main reason for it. But it was just it was just so comforting for her that know that Mary was right there instantly for her. It was a beautiful thing. Yep. Those those are the moments to to not let go of to to hold on to, to those moments, and I'd imagine that brought you a sense of comfort as well with your your father's death. Yes, as much as it yes. did your your mom in a way even. Uh, Tom, yep. thanks so much for calling in. Uh, wonderful story. And I, I want to try and get one more call in here really quick before the end of the hour. Father, Ruben is listening to us in Joliet, Illinois. Hi, Ruben. Uh, just about out of time, but wanted to get you on to share your story. Uh, yes, uh, uh, thank you uh, for getting me on. Uh, real quick, um, 17 years ago, had a super huge conversion. Uh, I was a nighttime uh, security guard. And I had nothing to do but to pray at times because there was no one around me. And so uh, I just started praying the rosary. Um, it was too hard for me, so I wanted to give up on it. And uh, a spiritual director told me at least do a decade a day. And eventually those decades left, you know, went to uh, an entire, you know, rosary after about a good six months. It was just something I got put into my life every day. Uh, and I just want to say, uh, I got closer to Mama Mary, and she got closer to me, and she brought me closer to her son. I ended up becoming a teacher of theology. I ended up becoming a husband, and now I'm a father of five with uh, with one child in heaven. And all, all this time, the Blessed Virgin Mary somehow reminds me around the, uh, the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, around this feast day, I'm always reminded or some intercession comes in, uh, sometimes I even call her the Michael Jordan of, of, of our faith because she, oh, yeah. she just comes through in the moments you don't expect. And I just want to say, get close to her. She'll, get, she'll do the rest. Thanks, Ruben. I, I have not heard uh, Mary and Michael Jordan put together like that before, but <laughs> the image came through loud and clear. I like that. Coming yeah. through, and, uh, that's, that's a great, uh, great image. Yeah, and a great way to end the hour today, Father. Um, you know, I, I just, I know you've said it in the past here on the program, but I, I want to kind of reinforce what Ruben said there. It's so amazing to listen by just starting to pray even a single decade of the rosary every day. And then it grows, it blossoms into praying the full rosary and all of the different fruit that comes out of that in his life. That rosary, it really will change your life, Father. Rosary works. It's something we can do wherever we are. It's pray the rosary. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Father, as we are down to about our last 30 seconds here, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude our program today? Father, we ask that you would pour out the fullness of your blessing upon all those who are listening. We thank you for the, your providence in assuming Mary into heaven. May we share in the fruits of this day. May God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Father Matthew Witter, our spiritual director for the hour. And of course, you can always find the podcast of this hour online at relevantradio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. I want to say a big thank you to uh, Jim Shaper and Nick Sentovich, our producers here. And of course, I want to encourage you, make sure you make it to Mass this Sunday for the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And of course, we'll hope to see you back here on Monday for another episode of The Inner Life. Have a blessed weekend.